This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, July 26, 2020. On this day in 1908, U.S. Attorney General Charles Bonaparte founded the federal investigative agency that eventually became the FBI. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering how Bonaparte put together a group of special agents for the Department of Justice, which later grew into the FBI. Not a crime, obviously, but an important moment in the history of law enforcement in the United States. Let's go back to Washington, D.C. on July 26, 1908. Fifty-seven-year-old Charles Bonaparte paced back and forth in his office. His secretary waited patiently for his dictation, sitting by a typewriter. He was trying to find the right words. This was a monumental moment, not just for him, but for the Department of Justice. During the past year, Bonaparte struggled to find a team to investigate the rising crime and corruption. Lacking his own full-time officers, he often borrowed Secret Service operatives for fieldwork. That was until he used those agents to investigate potential congressional cover-ups. As a result, Congress banned Bonaparte from using the Secret Service on May 27, 1908. But the action turned out to be a blessing in disguise. After that, President Theodore Roosevelt granted Bonaparte permission to hire his own team of investigators, and at last, he was ready to formally announce it. Finally, the word started coming to Bonaparte. He ordered all DOJ attorneys to direct their investigative inquiries to Chief Examiner Stanley Finch. Bonaparte bestowed Finch with the power to use this new team of 34 special agents, who were mostly Secret Service veterans, for investigations at his discretion. Much like today's FBI agents, Bonaparte hired operatives who were physically fit, highly intelligent, well-educated, and skilled in a foreign language. Once his secretary finished typing, Bonaparte signed the order. He didn't anticipate much pushback from the DOJ attorneys. After all, the department had been lobbying for this team for a year. Bonaparte did, however, expect some objections from Congress, who thought the new team gave the DOJ overreaching authority. He reassured the legislators that his special agents would focus their efforts on federal antitrust violations, land fraud, and copyright investigations. Bonaparte swore that they'd steer clear of monitoring their political activities. Congress eventually approved. 
the Department of Justice finally had its own team of law enforcement officers. Bonaparte called Finch's team the Special Agent Force. It was officially the beginning of the FBI, but it took several more years before the Special Agent Force evolved into the Intelligence Bureau it is today. On March 4, 1909, Bonaparte vacated the attorney general role when President Theodore Roosevelt's term ended. The next commander-in-chief, William Howard Taft, appointed George W. Wickersham as his successor. A few days later, on March 16, 1909, Wickersham made some adjustments to the DOJ's investigative team. First, he changed its name to the Bureau of Investigation. In the beginning, the agents mostly investigated federal cases, such as land fraud, antitrust violations, interstate prostitution, and human trafficking. But once the U.S. entered World War I on April 6, 1917, the Bureau took on espionage duties. Congress tasked the BOI with protecting the U.S. from foreign sabotage during the war. The Bureau got involved in counter-spy missions, as well as investigating war crimes. It grew from having 34 agents to 360. A few months into the war, 22-year-old J. Edgar Hoover accepted a Justice Department clerkship in the War Emergency Division. Eager to succeed, he rose up the DOJ ranks quickly during the anti-communist Red Scare in 1919 and 1920. On May 10, 1924, at age 29, Hoover was named director of the Bureau. His goal was to get the BOI back on track. Throughout the early 1920s, the number of employees at the agency nearly doubled from 360 to 650, but with no formal hiring requirements in place. Many of the operatives were underqualified, having little education and law enforcement experience. Some agents were over 60 years old and hired as political favors. They lacked the skills and expertise the Bureau needed. The BOI was no longer taken seriously in the U.S. government as an investigative team. It descended into the kind of corruption that it was supposed to prevent, and it was up to Hoover to fix it. Next, Hoover implements changes that give rise to the modern FBI. Now, back to the story. On July 26, 1908, then-U.S. Attorney General Charles Bonaparte founded the Department of Justice's first investigative team, which eventually became the FBI. But on its way to evolving into the governmental bureau we know today, Bonaparte's special agent force hit a rough patch in the 1910s. After being renamed the Bureau of Investigation, the faction went from employing 34 former Secret Service agents to hiring hundreds of underqualified operatives as political favors. But all of that changed after 29-year-old J. Edgar Hoover was named director of the Bureau on May 10, 1924. After his appointment, Hoover pledged to restore the agency's professional reputation. He had a clear vision of what he wanted the BOI to become, and he was very strict about implementing it. He fired many of the unqualified agents, 
and installed strict guidelines for future bureau operatives. All subsequent hires needed to be between 25 and 35 years old with either law or accounting backgrounds. These requirements are largely still in effect today. But that wasn't all. Hoover required potential agents to go through rigorous background checks, interviews, and physical examinations. Those who were accepted endured a two-month training program in Washington, D.C., the predecessor to the famous FBI Academy in Quantico, Virginia. In addition, Hoover developed new investigative initiatives to ensure that the Bureau was taking advantage of cutting-edge forensic science. In the summer of 1924, he created a nationwide record of criminal fingerprints in the Identification Division. Soon, the BOI exchanged identifying information with Canada and other allies, creating a comprehensive crime database. This system still exists today. A few years later, in 1930, the BOI took over the U.S. Nationwide Crime Statistics Program from the International Association of Chiefs of Police. This system keeps tabs on felonies and misdemeanors happening across the country. The Bureau's efforts to study criminals were further enhanced with the opening of a scientific crime lab in 1932. Hoover had always dreamed of having his own in-house team of scientists. Finally, he got his wish. Around the same time, the Bureau of Prohibition was transferred from the Treasury Department to the DOJ. This created a new division of investigation, comprised of the BOI and Prohibition Bureau. But once the 18th Amendment was repealed on December 5, 1933, the Bureau of Prohibition was disbanded. That meant that the only bureau left in the division, the BOI, was also referred to as the Division of Investigation. Confused? So was everyone else at the time, because this wasn't even the only Division of Investigation in the U.S. government. Several others had formed over the years, puzzling many officials. Hoover grew frustrated with the confusion about the BOI, Attorney General Homer Cummings, Roosevelt, and Congress all agreed in a rare moment of consensus. After some deliberation, Roosevelt signed off on the new name, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or the FBI. Though the Bureau kept growing and evolving over the years, it finally had a name that would stand the test of time. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you're interested in learning more about the FBI, check out the ParCast original, Hostage. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. 
Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Mallory Cara, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.